0: I want to jump right into something we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. And it's funny because I I heard Rick as he um, talked the, the prior couple of weeks, which, you know, my wife spoke last week. And I honestly, looking at what she talked about, I kind of have been comparing myself to her all week. You know, I, I don't think this is going to measure up. If you were here at all, you would know that that, no pun intended, her whole title being called Measure Up and, and how we live in, in the shadows often of comparison. Uh, but Rick really hit it when he was talking about effortless, effortless Christianity. And it's funny, I don't know if he stole mine because I already told him my title and he was creating slides for me before he started his sermon. I, I shouldn't do that. That was my fault. But I really think the Lord wants us to, to really hone in on the voice Uh, Not just the voice and turning your chairs around, you know, while I'm up here singing, which none of you will do if I grab a mic and start to audition. But we're talking about the voice of God in our life and how many other voices we're surrounded by. I don't know about you, but just in this day and age, we are so distracted by so many different noises I mean, I, I drive onto campus and it's the same on high schools and even middle schools. Earbuds are in, nobody can hear you, nobody's talking to anyone. And it seems like they, we eat, breathe, drink, sleep, everything in between with constant noise going on we have if you're me it's a podcast on maybe there's music in the background the tv's on there's then there's just the the information overload of noise from facebook feeds to twitter to snapchatting to you name it our news feeds everything is just we're over inundated with noise there's so many voices there's so much stuff that we hear that i think oftentimes it becomes more and more difficult to vet the voice To really distinguish, is this God that is speaking to me? What is all this that is just a distraction? What is really he trying to say to me? And where's the truth in all of it? And what deserves our attention? And what should have influence over us? And before we know it, we find ourselves in a place maybe that we never even imagined, Maybe we're down a path in our beliefs that we thought, oh no, I'll never believe that way or I would never you know, do this. But because of all the distractions and the voices, next thing we know, we have begun to believe some things that aren't even true and that we even said we would stand against or that we would never begin to believe. And I've seen this in my own family. I've seen it in my own life that from all the distractions, we become numb to what is really important. We become um, just literally, you know, the anecdote of noise is not just silence, but focused silence that I want us to talk about this morning. And I want to read something that I wasn't really sure where this would fit today, but I think it's now. And this was um, a post that Fellowship Church Knoxville, they posted from their pastor, Rick Dunn very wise man. I really respect him. Um, I got to speak with him here recently, but I feel like what he posted or, or shared with his staff this past week is a lot of what the Lord has been speaking to me for us as a congregation and possibly the body at large in what is going on right now. And listen to this. Rick Dunn says this at Fellowship Church. He says, we often take up space that belongs to Jesus. We often take up space that belongs to Jesus, not just in ministry, but in conversations, in marriage, in our thoughts, in our relating, you name it. We fill the space, we rush in with quick fixes or simplistic formulas. It feels good or even helpful, but often is shallow. We all do this, but by God's grace, we're seeing that there's a better way. We still enter in, we still do the work, we still plan, but not for Jesus rather with Jesus. And I think that's a really good, a really good uh, kind of encapsulation of, of what I want to talk about as we look at vetting the voice. And I want us to talk about the voice. And I want us to look together at John chapter 10. We're going to look at John chapter 10, which Rick took us there a couple of weeks ago, which is kind of going to be the foundation for today's message as we get started. So if you have a paper Bible with pages, just act like you're turning there and rustled those for me, made me feel better. Dial them up if not, screenshot it and text me. John 10, let's look at this together. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a what? A thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper will open the gate for him and the sheep, they do what? They listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Let's stop right there for a second because they know his voice. There's a couple of different scenarios that we could see uh, in ancient Israel at this time. There could be multiple um you know, multiple uh, sheep kept in a single pen. Some are yours, some are mine, some are Joe's down the street. Joe being Joseph, the carpenter, we know he had some sheep possibly. And so there are all these sheep that could be mixed together and there's a gatekeeper that's kind of keeping, you know, hey, yes, you are a shepherd, you can come in. And literally your sheep are going to know your voice and not the others. And then there's the other, Joe could come down and get his sheep, he could call them and your sheep aren't going to follow him because they know his voice. There's other scenarios that in ancient Israel, they talk about where there would be a, a, literally a fenced in area, but there was no traditional gate. Literally the shepherd would lay down at the opening and in protection would be the door. Thus where Jesus says, I am the door. I am not only the gatekeeper, but also the door. He would be the shepherd, would be there, and he would see that if anything were trying to be come in as an intruder, um, that he would be able to then stand up and defend his sheep. And think about that how Christ laid down his life for us as our shepherd, laid it down gladly, but that we not only could have life, but listen to this, let's keep reading we could also know his voice now. It says in verse 5, but they will never follow a stranger. I love that. In verse 5, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will do what? They will run away from him. Have you ever tried to catch a sheep that wasn't yours? I have. It is hard to catch a sheep that's not yours. Um, My kids try to catch everything, out in the wild. We just got back from a relaxing weekend. I, I can't remember what all. We chased a bunny. We chased some larger bunnies that were rabbits. Um, I chased a turkey recently. I did not chase a snake. I, that was when I ran away. Uh, but but we we're always chasing things. But if it doesn't know us, if it's not familiar with us, rightfully so, when we hear a voice that is not our true shepherd, we should run away because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees, they did not understand what he was telling them. And in verse seven, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. All who have come before me, they're thieves, they're robbers, but the sheep, they've not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and they will come in and go out and find pasture. How peaceful is that? They will come in and go out and find pasture. I don't know how many voices you've had going on in your head and in your life and in your emotions and in your circumstances, in your health and in your finances and in your relationships. But I want you to know there is one voice that is supreme to them all. And if you'll listen, if we'll focus and tune out the rest, we will come in and go out and find pasture. This is his desire for us. And then in verse 10, where Rick elaborated a little bit, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have a life and have it to the full. But how do we vet the voices? How do we know that they are truly of the Lord, that they are the ones that aren't going to be thieves or robbers that are, are they stealing? Are they killing? Are they destroying? Are they producing these Things in our life? Are they taking away the life we had? Are we no longer living in that peace and finding pasture? Are we misled? Do we feel the cycles beginning to ebb and flow in our lives where we're out of control? There is chaos. We don't feel protected emotionally, spiritually. But Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, totally different story. He's not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. He's got nothing invested. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. This is what the sheep are supposed to do when they hear a voice. But now it's what this false shepherd is doing when he sees a wolf. It is what we are to do when we hear something other than our true shepherd. But now it is what this hired hand is doing when he sees danger. Well, then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, and the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing about the sheep. But here's Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And I believe that that for many of us, we outsource some of this. We expect, maybe, maybe we do it in our busyness, but we go ahead and put the brunt of hearing from God On someone maybe who is in a position that we're not. Maybe on a pastor, maybe on a youth pastor for our kids, maybe on a a kids worker for for if they're younger. We put these things, we outsource these things instead of owning our own discipleship and our relationship with the Lord. And we no longer really have the voice of our shepherd in our ear. Instead, we're hoping that we can hear his voice through someone else. And this was never the way God designed it for us. And I want to kind of Unpack that a little bit through scripture. And I don't believe that that our prayer life, our outreach, our witness, our Bible study, our worship, you name it, should be outsourced to anyone else. That is something that we are to experience with our shepherd. It's not for a professional Christian, whether they're paid or not. This was never the design in the Old Testament, and it's certainly not the design in the New Testament. Let's look at a couple of different things that I want to do a little bit of teaching on as we look at the difference between a high priest and those performing priestly duties. How many of you have heard of a high priest before, right? Especially in relation to the Old Testament, um, who was our, the first high priest? It was Moses' brother, Aaron. And supposedly the high priests were the only ones that could go into that most holy place. And initially it was him, and then it was going to be his sons, It wasn't all the tribe of the Levites that would be just high priests. There were other Levites that would perform priestly duties, but that high priest went to a place that no one else could go. It was dangerous. They literally wore bells on the, on the bottom of their robes because if they got into that most holy place and there was something that was d- defiling about them or themselves and the sacrifices weren't made properly, they could be struck dead in that holy place and they would hear the bell stop ringing and begin to pull the rope that was tied around his ankle to drag him out. Bring back the bells, Carrie says. Bring back the bells. Maybe at Christmas, a different kind of bells. But we see that there was such an awe and reverence of God's presence that isn't really shifted from the Old to the New Testament. We still see it in the book of Acts, the fear of the Lord and lying to the Holy Spirit and Ananias and Sapphira and uh, pretending to do one thing and holding back something else and lying in that midst. And let's look at Hebrews 4, though, at our true high priest, Jesus. It says this in verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, don't miss that, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The difference in all the other high priests before him and the one that God would send his only son is that he would be that perfect high priest now making way for us in a couple of key ways. It says in verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It is because who Jesus was, it is because of what Jesus did that we can experience mercy and grace in our daily life. It is because of that that we can come into a worship service like we did today and approach that throne of grace and experience his presence in a way that used to be detrimental and even life-threatening. Because of the blood of Jesus. We come with awe and reverence in our heart. We don't come just frivolously thinking, oh, I can do whatever I want. I can live in sin. I can do this. I can do that. And gee, I can, I can have the name of Jesus on my lips too at the same time. We would be foolish to think that. But there has been a way made. And I don't want us to make light of the sacrifice that was made for the availability that we are to experience. And so when we come into this place and in your daily life, we have access to something that generations for thousands of years before had no access to. They had no access to the living God, Tito. They had no access to experience his tangible presence the way you and I can. But because of our high priest, we can come. And he has called us into this divine family, this lineage now, this divine priesthood to experience something that no man could have experienced before. It is both complete atonement and thus fellowship with him in his presence. Complete atonement. I'm not gonna have to do this again in the morning. Yes, I confess my sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us. I know 1 John 1, 9, but there is atonement for who I am. I am no longer looking in my past. I am looking in the future. I am living because of what Christ has done for eternity, living in his presence and goodness and grace. That is an amen. And I don't want us to outsource what he has paid such a great price for. I don't want us to lose out on what he has called us to be as sons and daughters, heirs but also to become and to experience. First Peter chapter 2, Jazz, it says this in verse 4. We're building on this. As you come to him, Emmanuel, the living stone, Jesus, he was rejected by humans, but he was chosen by God and he was precious to him. You also, living stones, little bitty living stones, not the great big S stones, little bitty, were being built together. Do you see something here? I do. I'm not trying to read my vision of, of what I believe that the Lord is doing with encounter, connect, and grow into the scripture, but I see it a lot. I see that when we encounter him, that we see the stone, that he then, we experience this call and we begin to be built into a spiritual house. This is a you collectively. This is a plural. This is us as the body of Christ. Here and the big body are being built into something to be something, to grow together and be a holy priesthood. We're not offering sacrifices today. I'm not going to move my iced coffee off this table and carry go get an animal out of his trunk. There's no telling what he's got in his trunk. And we slaughter out. We get that. But we are offering, it says, spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through who? Through Jesus it is, you're going to see here in a minute, something that the Old Testament talked about, but there is now something that we offer to God that is acceptable, that we don't have to renew because of who it comes through. Because of our high priest who made that atonement once for all, one man sin and sin entered the world, but one man redeemed us all from the, from the, not only the price, but the penalty of that sin. And look at what he does. He says that offering spiritual sacrifices uh where are you at? Verse five, go back to verse five real quick. He says that we're offering these spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And this is where I think sometimes we don't realize that everything we do in our day and in our life is meant to be worship is meant to be another sacrifice because we're doing it as unto the Lord, because we're doing it through Christ Jesus. There is a verse in Romans that I really, really love. Um, it's talking about how all things come from it. Paul's writing a doxology and he says, all things are from him and through him and they go back to him. And I remember hearing this as a teenager and it stuck with me. David Ravenhill was teaching on this passage and he talked about how theology should be looked through the lens of everything coming from him, going through him, and then back to him. And when I talk about through the lens of all theology, I'm talking about if it's something that I can preach here with a name it and claim it, a a blab it and grab it theology, is it coming from him? Eh, The Porsche might, I don't know, the Lamborghini could. Is it going through him? Is it going back to him though? There you go. Is it all going back to him? And if it can be preached here, then it better be able to be preached in the underground church in China. It better apply to the, the people in Cuba. It better apply to all the islands that Tom and Tara just visited. It better be a global theology that is not just for my life here and now because it feels good. Does that make sense? Bring back the bell. It all must come from him. It must pass through him and it must go back to him. Paul lays out a clear way for us to understand how we can vet not only the voices, but a theology that we hear in the voices around us. All of life is worship. And in verse nine, I'm gonna skip to verse nine in 1 Peter 2, he says that you are what? A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Carry your God's special possession. I'm gonna underline special for you. We are God's special possession. And what's the purpose? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's the reason. That's the reason that we may make all of life worship, that we may declare his praises, that we may fill the earth with his glory. This is so good. We're going somewhere. I'm building on it. This is the church and it's the voices that we hear, but against the backdrop of our shepherd. He says to you in verse 10, you were once not a people. I want to tell you, you're home. You're home. You're home. You can come in and you can go out and you can find pasture. You are home. But now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. This isn't just talking about Jew and Gentile. It is then but it's also for us today that you had not received mercy, but now you have. So while we have this great privilege and great responsibility, I want us to acknowledge first and foremost, we have a great high priest. We have a good shepherd and it is his voice that we are listening to. Amen. Amen. But wait, 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 Michael, are you saying that we don't have any other pastors? We don't have any other shepherds? They pale in comparison, and we shouldn't outsource what only that one can do for us to all these ones that pale in comparison. Don't miss out on what he has paid for you and for me to experience. Because I believe, I believe that God has given gifts to all of us. And I believe there are even offices within those gifts that the Lord has given. Let's look at Ephesians 4 as we're building on this and talking about the voice and hearing our good shepherd. He says this, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. You remember hearing that ascended on high from the great high priest? He is ascended to heaven. It has to do with his position now, but what has happened when that when that occurred? I'm talking about there is a people that have emerged when this happened. When the great stone took his place, he began to fit all of us together so that something could happen in our midst. We could begin to declare the praises of him collectively. We're going somewhere. He's building something. He's doing something in us and through us in our day. And so in verse nine, it says, what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. So I want you to think about that with me for a second. So Jesus in his death, we see a couple of different key passages that talk about this, how he then in his resurrection, if if literally he had come up like the dead in Christ would have... <sighs> They could have all literally resurrected from the power of God in that moment, but we know that there was a precursor, there was a firstborn for the fruits that were to come behind him in that resurrection, and in that life that was then ascended, that we could experience. Without him then sending the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have it in its fullness as he intended for us. But when he descended, I believe there were all these demons that have held us captive in hell that he then began to break chains and set things free in the atmospheres that you and I can experience. It says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people where the church had been held bound because of the priestly way and and that there had not been a true atonement and access into his presence and the Holy Spirit that could then come and, and dwell within us and fill us and give us these gifts and be his people the way he intended originally, now we're seeing it. Now we're seeing the emerging church. We're seeing the people that he's created you to be in this generation, in this day, at your workplace, to operate in the supernatural, to live with a word on your mouth because you've heard the voice of the one for someone that doesn't have that connection yet. And you're not looking for me to have it and you're sharing it to someone on Facebook and you're giving it to the person at the grocery store and it's for your family member because you've been with the one, you're connected to him. And now you're declaring the praises of him and you're filling this earth with his glory. That's his plan. That's his plan for you and for me to walk and to operate in that. I believe it, I'm passionate about that. But he who descended in verse 10 chapter four is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order for what? To fill the whole universe. And he does that through his body. He does that through you and through me. And so Christ gave, he gave some offices. He gave some people here for a purpose. He gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave evangelists, he gave pastors. And we'll say teachers is the fifth one. Pastors and teachers could be one, but we'll say they're five. So I believe in a team of people that God has equipped and given gifts to. For what reason? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 12, thank you for asking. To equip his people for works of service. So that what? The body of Christ may be built up. If I don't have you and you don't have me, we will be malnourished spiritually. And I've been to plenty of churches who operated with maybe just a teacher in a role, but didn't have anyone operating with an evangelistic mantle or an apostolic or a prophetic gifting. And you get a very one-sided experience in that congregation's growth. And sometimes they're not even pastors, they're actually gifted as, as administrators. And you see this a lot today. They're really gifted as administrators and, and I believe that God's given them that and they can administrate well and they organize things within a church, but it only grows so far because you need all of these in the ministry that God has given, the, the gifts that he has given to us. That apostolic to move and pioneer into untaken territories. You need that prophetic voice to call us back to what God is wanting us to stay focused to. You need that evangelist to keep us focused. Hey, it's the not yets. It's not just those that are here, but it's also those that aren't yet. We need that pastor who can shepherd and come to our aid when we are hurting and need healing. We need that teacher who can expound on the word so that all of these operate together and we see the healthy church that he designed and created. Amen. And it's to equip us for the works of service so that we may all be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God. So how do I know? How do I vet the voices? Are they equipping people for works of service or for gain? Is it for selfish or is it for sacrifice? How do I vet the voice? So is the body of Christ being built up? Is it for everyone? Can I apply it globally? This is the missions in me coming out. That's what you're going to get. It's got to be universal. It's got to be a truth, not just for here and now, but for all time and space. That's God. Is it coming from him? Is it going through him? Is it going back to him? It is so that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. Until finally, are we reaching unity? Is it promoting unity or is it dividing us? I've seen so many things and it sickens me this morning. Um, Levi was wanting to watch Baby Bum, don't judge me, on Netflix, that's like his thing right now. And um, you'll go home and you'll search it yourself and you can watch it, it's clean. So Baby Bum on the kid's profile of Netflix and I'm like, no, we're not watching it. And so I turn on the TV, hoping I can catch some news to see what the weather's gonna be like for today's shooting. And um, and we, I can't find anything, but I can find a whole bunch of preachers. Uh, I find Charles Stanley, no, we keep going. He's not bad. But, um, and we find some other ones, and, and Ellie stops on one. She's like, is this country music? No, that's just the way some folks enjoy their music, even Christian stuff. And it was like, I think there was a banjo and an upright bass, you know, and kind of that sway right there was going. And uh, yep, come to the chili cook-off. Um, that's right. Can't catch that one on the podcast. You'll have to come live. So there's there's all kinds of different flavors to what God is doing, but is it is it lining up with scripture? Is it creating unity? I'm not saying we don't need different flavors. I think, that's, I think it's good for the body of Christ. But I also think that this shouldn't be one of the most segregated hours. And it is. And it's not meant to be that way. Because that's not the way I'm gonna spend my eternity. And I hope it's not the way you're gonna spend yours. Yeah. Amen. But is it creating, is it lining up with these? Because we should see these different gifts that God has given us, quipping people so that God, the body is being built up, so that we're reaching unity and we're knowing Jesus and ultimately what? Becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, becoming mature. This is what he's designed for us. And I think so many times we can short circuit this process of maturity for our faith because you name it. Well, someone didn't respond to my text quick enough. I got my feelings hurt. It was about us. It wasn't about the the works of service. It wasn't about the body of Christ being built up. It all of a sudden became about us. And we look through lenses and through our hurt. And I'm not, I don't want to discount if you've truly been hurt within a church I know that happens. I've, I've watched my siblings stay away from the church for decades because of truly being hurt. So I'm not discounting what maybe you genuinely experienced, but we can't continue to play that card if you ever wanna grow. If you wanna experience maturity in your faith and even just emotionally, personally, we've gotta begin forgiving and we've gotta begin moving on and connecting again. Because if we're not doing this, if we're not being built up into the stones that the spiritual house that he created us to be with just a little stone over here by ourselves, we will never collectively grow into what he designed us to be. We will be stunted in our growth. We will not reach that full maturity in many areas of our life. Emotionally, mentally, we just won't have it. There's something that happens when we get together. A little bit of this, a little bit of rub, right? We're learning about it with our temperaments. I learn about it in marriage daily. I learn about it with my kids. It's the way God designed us so that collectively we see this, we own this, we hear the shepherd, we know his voice. He is leading us. He is guiding us. We're following that voice. Oh, sometimes I get really close to the cliff. Oh man, I almost fell off. But he brings us back. We hear his voice. We're listening. But I don't want us to shortcut it because of misunderstandings, because of bitterness, because of hurt because it'll leave us stagnant in that immaturity. And that's not God's plan for you or for me. And sometimes we get comfortable in our misery, don't we? We get really comfortable there. I just like to wallow because I got something to say now. And if I don't, then what will I have to say then? Not much. But it will leave us stunted in our immaturity. Take a drink. So we need to make... The work within the church, not about us, but about the one who has called us. Amen. The good shepherd of us all. But how do we do this? How do we encourage ourselves to grow in hearing God's voice? First, we prioritize it. I'm not going to put up five Ps, but you're going to hear them. (laughs) Don't text James that I said this. No alliterations. Didn't mean to. Kind of did but we prioritize hearing God's voice. We don't just say, oh man, it's so important for me to hear God's voice. But no, we we don't just put it on Facebook. We don't just like tell people in conversation, but we actually do something with our time that prioritizes it. What does that look like? Well, let me tell you recently, um, I was meeting with a buddy of mine. His name is John Barnes. He came out of Andy Stanley's church down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but one of probably out of like, A few people on a hand in Knoxville that I highly, highly respect with his leadership abilities. Incredible. He uh, worked for uh, West Rock. You know these trucks that come in and out of over here? That's, That's their trucks. He didn't manage this plant. He managed the plant off of Western Avenue. They make cardboard boxes, for crying out loud. That's all they do. Kellogg's, you name it. They make cardboard boxes. But he developed such a culture there that was incredible to me. He's well-read, well-studied. So I kind of recruited him because he had heard about Kiko. And um, when we were going through transition there, I asked him to come and serve on the board um, with me and my parents specifically during this time of transition because I knew he had really good aptitude for leadership and he was relational in that, in that way. He was relational in his leadership. And so I asked him to come and serve again. And I, he's just kind of been a life coach for me. I don't know if he would call himself that, but I just regularly kind of go to him for a checkup. And I was meeting with him, I guess it's been about two weeks ago on a Monday morning. And we were sitting there and he just, he he leads by asking questions, really good questions. And he helps you kind of uncover yeah, I, I do need to be asking that of myself. And he asked me, he, he'd he asked me this years ago. He said, you know, I always heard Andy say this because he goes back to a lot of what he heard at Stanley's Church, at Andy Stanley's Church. He said, he would always say, he was like, who's being cheated? Who's being cheated in your life? Got a lot going on. You can only do so much. He's like, Michael, right now, you've got even more than the last time we met. Yeah, you're still foster. You're still married, right? Yeah, and you still got kids. You got more kids and you're still, you know, executive director of Kiko, and you're what at this church and you're doing, okay. He's like, who's being cheated? You know, and that goes back to a book that Andy had written on who are you cheating? It's since got a new name. You can, uh, go- you can Google it and it'll pop up its new name. It's when, you know, work and family collide, I think is the new name. And I read it and I gave it to Candy and it's sitting on her nightstand. Um, <laughs> she's not here, so I'll leave it at that. But the thing is, is in our lives, who's being cheated? We only have so much bandwidth, so much time, so much energy. And I feel like I push myself pretty hard. And I know a couple other type A guys that do the same. But I guarantee you in each one of our lives, there's something that's being cheated. And he asked me, he's like, so does does Candy feel cheated? Do you ask her? It's like, yeah, we we talk probably too much every day about that. You know, how are we doing? Anytime there's change, you know, you got to rejuggle. You gotta figure out how to how do we keep the balls in the air? Who do we get rid of some balls? <laughs> do we do we delegate some? Do we how how do we get how do we do this? You know, we we can't get rid of Judah or Ellie or Levi, So what do we do? And uh, so you you ask those questions. Who, who's being cheated? Do the kids feel cheated? Is Kiko being cheated? Is the church being cheated? What's what's happening? And so that's why last week I took the whole week off and just went to a lake house. And and because we've got to make sure, yeah, we all need to do this in different ways. Because we will run ourselves ragged. But I think sometimes we don't ask ourselves, does the Lord feel cheated? Does he feel cheated of our time and our attention? Are we still trying to juggle all these and maybe Jesus just another ball in it? Does he feel cheated? Because he's waiting to to commune with us, to fellowship with us, for us to hear his voice. Because sometimes we get out ahead of him. My hand's raised first there. I'll tell you, with any type of transition or change, I feel like I know where the Lord's leading. And then I run about 10 paces ahead. And I'm like, was this it, God? Is this it? Am I I going there? Oh gosh, nope, wrong way. That's my natural tendency. You got to know yourself. And then you have good people around you. It's part of the living stones. It's part of the body of Christ that help call you back that help you hear the shepherd again. And then you're like, oh, okay, God, you're you're helping me learn patience and trust in the process. And how do we encourage ourselves? So we prioritize it. And I think about how sometimes in my life when I ask these questions, there's usually not a major overhaul. I'm in crisis mode if that's the case. And that happens. We end up in crisis mode. And oh man, how in the world did I get here? But if we can ask those questions along the way, we can make minor tweaks, Right because this is a big ship we're navigating called our life and we can adjust it and find that we're still on course to hearing our shepherd as we go along. So I encourage you, ask these questions, ask yourselves, put people in your lives that will ask them of you. Who's being cheated? And we know that the busyness maybe even out of hurt that we have robbed him of what he desires to know him and that we would be known by him. I don't know about you, but how many of you aren't afraid of figuring something out by repeatedly trying? And you know what's my friend? Google. How many of you are not afraid to Google something, especially if it's going to save you time or money or not having to call someone else and do it? And and, and so now it's like, hey, Google, and it just vibrates. Okay, Google. Google. Yeah, exactly. And before I knew better, I used to say Siri. And so, but now I, I realize that Google is so much better. But but honestly, why aren't we saying, okay, Lord, or hey, Jesus, and finding out what he has to say about things and hearing about what what, is this part of your plan? Is this the path that you're leading me to? I feel like these doors are opening for a reason, God. But instead, I, I don't know if it's just me, Maybe you'll identify with this. will help try to figure out and plan that for him instead of with him. And it feels really different. We don't have peace. We have anxiety. We don't, we we have to ask so many questions of ourselves in the process because we don't have faith like a child. We're not just simply trusting. I'm speaking to myself right now. This is me. And the Lord's teaching us, just, just listen to my voice. Come in and out, find pasture. I'll lead you by still waters. I'm the one who provides that peace. And recently, just one more story I want to share with you. I was uh, tucking in Judah. And when I say tuck in Judah, it was downstairs on the couch because for some reason he slept down there for two weeks. Um, He shares a room with Levi and he just moves around in the house. He's one of those kids. And I'm tucking him in downstairs with this big um, stuffed marshmallow peep that he's sleeping with. And so I'm tucking in pee-pee, that's who he calls him, and Judah, and I ask him this question. I say, Judah, I said, have you heard God's voice lately? And he's like, No. And, and this isn't high pressure. I'm not, like trying to sell him that he's got to hear God's voice and have something to tell me that day. And I'm like, Well, well, what do you think? What do you think maybe he's he's doing in your life right now, in your heart? And he begins to tell me just about the times, the two times that are very specific for him that the Lord did speak to him. And for Judah, I would almost wonder if it wasn't audible for him to go back to these two times that God spoke to him. The first one I'll share with you, he was just back here in the back and it was on a Sunday morning right before the kids went down and it was during worship. And Judah had really just started to grow in his, real, in his worship and understanding of worshiping God. And he felt the Lord. And I was back here, I was beside the sound booth, and he came over and he said, Daddy, Daddy, I think God just said something to me. And I was like, what did he say? He said, be prepared. I was like, well, what do you think that means? And we had just adopted Levi and we had put our home on hold. We had closed it for the time being. He said, I don't know, maybe it means be prepared to be open again, to be open early. Now, as parents, we were like, I think we need to wait a little longer. <laughs> I'm not rested. And we had intentionally done this. We wanted to incubate with Levi. We wanted to just focus on us. We felt like that was, we needed a healthy us before we really started getting back into the rigmarole of life and Lord bless DCS. But we just, we needed that time and we felt like that was what God had asked us to do. But he was hearing from the Lord and he said, be prepared. I don't know what it meant. And so we continued to talk about that. And then there was another time when he was actually in his bed, in his room, and he heard, he heard his name out loud, audibly. He came running out. It's like, nobody was awake. It was in the middle of the night. Judah, Judah. How would I expect him to hear God's voice if we didn't encourage it, if we didn't prioritize it, if we didn't say this is something that we should expect? God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. He also speaks to us in our heart. And there may be a variety of other ways that he speaks to us. And I believe that as we encourage this and foster it, not only in our kids, but in our own life, we begin to hear him more. And as Judah and I were, we were tucking him in that night downstairs and we talked about the two times he'd spoken to him. I said, Judah, you know what that last time reminds me of so much? Samuel when Samuel was in the house of God. And so I went and got my Bible. We read 1 Samuel 3. We talked about when Samuel had been dropped off basically as the church to be raised by Eli. Lord knows Eli didn't do a great job with his sons. I don't know why you would drop off your son with him. Anyways, don't get me started there. But here was Samuel because he had a call on him as a prophet. And the Lord began to speak to him and say, Samuel, Samuel. And and how many times? Three times. He goes to Eli before Eli finally says, go back. Next time you hear that, the third time when you hear it, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that's finally what, I, what Judah and I kind of boiled it down to. And Judah was so excited because he felt like that was kind of what he had experienced. I said, Judah, we just have to say, Lord, I'm listening and have our ears open. He wants to speak to us and he's saying things to us all the time. And we do that. We, I unpack these kinds of things with our kiddos because it's so important that we invest in them on how to hear the voice of God. This last week, while we were at the lake house, I kind of reminisced with them, kind of a difference of where I grew up, going to Berean and being a part of Awanas, getting all these—I was a Cubby and a Sparky and all these different things. You got patches and I memorized so many verses. I realized I memorized a lot of verses, but I didn't always necessarily hear the voice of God and I didn't worship Him the way they do. And I said, "Man, you guys are in such a different place." I said, "But boy, some of these things were so good." What if you, we could get more scripture memorized together and we continue just to hear his voice and worship through the word of God that we've already put in our heart? And it's all of it, it's not either or, but we have to create that. We have to spend time with him, don't we? We have to get in his word as adults. We have to expect that he'll speak to us and say, Lord, I'm listening. And so we, we see that we prove and vet the voice, we prioritize and listen, to hearing the voice, and we position ourselves to hear his voice. And ultimately, it's all to find purpose. So we prove it, we prioritize it, we position ourselves, and now we are going to find purpose in the voice. Let me land this plane. Back in John 10, where we started, when the Lord speaks to us, we realize that his voice brings purpose. And I want to read the message translation of John 10.10. I think I've got it loaded in there. It says this, it says, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they may have a real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. Our shepherd has a purpose for when he speaks, he wants to give us a life, something that we've never experienced, something that we may think is more entertaining or fun over here that is, oh, this will really be, this is life for me but it only brings death spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. He has come, if we'll follow his voice, that we may have true life. And in verse 14 of the message as well in John 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and my own sheep, they what? Know me. In the same way, the Father knows me and I know the Father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. That's a true shepherd for you right there. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in the pen. You hear, you hear the purpose there? Jesus is saying there's more than just the ones that are here today. There's other sheep in addition to those in, in this pen that need to be here. He said, I need to gather. George, you remember the words you shared with us on the phone? Gather. I need to gather and bring them to. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock, one shepherd. The baseline purpose of the voice of our shepherd is so that we may know him and that he may know us and he is guiding us, but it's not just for us that are here today. It is for those that have yet to join his flock that aren't yet in the pen. We can point them and say, Hey, I know one, man, let me just can I just share you the junk that he took me from. He met me where I was at. He cleaned me up. He he brought me into this place of peace and pasture. Oh, I I didn't think I would ever experience in my heart. I want you to experience and know that too. There are others that need to be a part of it. That's part of the purpose of his voice. In 1 Peter 2, he tells us, we're talking about the purpose behind the voice. As we begin to vet the voice of our shepherd, we know him. And to begin to reclaim the plan he has for all of us to walk in fellowship with him. As what? As a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He says it's for understanding our place in Christ. And that's for this purpose that you may declare the next slide that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light there is darkness to be exposed. There are praises to be declared that unless you and I hear his voice and begin to follow the shepherd and declare his goodness, there will be pieces of this earth that will not be filled with his glory. There will be areas of darkness that will not be exposed by the light inside of you. There will be praises yet to be declared in the rocks. They will cry out. Will you declare it with me? Will you give a sacrifice of praise? Will you begin to make him known? How do we praise him? It's not just through worship songs. It is through the way I live my life. It is through what you do when you leave here and go home. And the way you carry yourself, you are living following the shepherd. That is how we declare his praises. We follow his guidance. We we follow his leading. Matthew said that they may see your good works. And what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Would you bow your head with me? Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. There's a purpose behind the voice. It is so that you may be His people. And it's so much better when we don't walk it alone, but instead connected in community. I believe that the Lord is speaking to some of you that Maybe it's not been a priority for you to hear his voice and and the Lord is stirring your heart saying, God, I don't even know where to start. And I believe right now that the Lord's going to begin to just deposit desire and hunger and he's gonna lead you. He's gonna lead you. I'm not gonna give you a formula. I'm gonna give you the shepherd. And if that's you this morning, you're saying, Michael, I, I believe that, there is so much more that he is saying than what I am hearing and I've come so distracted. I've become so distracted and influenced by past and hurts and and I'm ready to hear his voice. I want to prioritize it. I want to prove it. I want to know it. If that's you, would you just raise your hand with me? I want to pray with you this morning. Anybody? Yes. Anybody else? Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask that as we continue to um, walk this journey of following our shepherd, that we would do it not in isolation and solo as lone rangers, but God, we would do it connected. We would know what it means to be the body of Christ, following you, our great shepherd, our high priest. We thank you for the price you've paid. And I ask right now that you would begin to deposit such a, an insatiable desire to hear your voice, to know you, to spend time with you. Would you give us the ability to begin to just push aside all the noise, the clutter that fills our life so we can tune our ears to your voice in a greater way. I Thank you, Lord. You reign supreme. Hover over us this morning, Holy Spirit. Release the gifts within us that we may be built up to full maturity in you, declaring your praises, filling the earth with your glory. You are good. You are good. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you this week, do something different. Cut something out. If it's what you normally do on your work routine or in this time of day, or just, just make some minor adjustments so that we can hear his voice. Be intentional. He's speaking. Are we listening? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.